Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today is the final episode in our four-part mini-series in collaboration with QuickBase. It has been such an insightful series. I mean, we've learned so much, chatted to some great guests and had some fantastic feedback. So I know you're all really keen to hear which area of business we'll be taking a closer look at today. And today I'm joined by Peter of QuickBase to take a closer look at operations and project management. QuickBase helps customers see, connect, and control complex projects that reshape our world. Whether it's raising a skyscraper or coordinating vaccine rollouts, the no-code software platform allows business users to custom fit solutions to the way they work, using information from across the systems they have they already have. So today in episode four, Level Up, we'll be discussing the ins and outs of complex project management, explaining how you can level up information to leadership so you can make the best decisions for your operations and exactly how QuickBase can help. So welcome back once again, Peter. Hey, Sarah, good to be here again. We have had such a blast during this series. I mean, our normal Let's Talk Supply Chain episodes are fantastic, and we work hard to pack a lot in, but there's so much going on right now in supply chain to talk about. And of course, we always want to find out as much as we possibly can about our featured brands. So in 40 minutes, we're sometimes only scratching the surface. So it's so much fun to have the time to really dig deep into everything you do and really explore you know, those key industry trends. So let's dive in for the final time in this series. So project management is increasingly a key business focus post-COVID. So let's set the scene with what's happening right now broadly. How are companies working when it comes to project management? And how can a focus on this area help businesses to thrive in this period of recovery? Oh, it's a, I think it's a, it's, it's, you're seeing a lot of new technology in the project management space. You are getting flooded with, I see all sorts of buses and airplanes with ads of, of the next project management tool. And then you see classic um, project management software that's been used for incredibly complex projects. Um, I think the themes are, are, are still the same. You're still going to find people working in silos with whatever tool they're, they're, they're working in. Um, and a lot of the times in tools that really haven't been set up that are customized for, for those workflows. And so I think now more than ever, with so many options out there, it's important to focus on uh, choosing tools that are integrated, but also can be customized for, for your processes. And oh, there's a lot we can talk to about that. <laughs> Yeah. And if you think about all the moving parts in supply chain, I mean, every single piece of that is kind of a project to manage, right? Yeah. And that's the thing is the, the word project management almost needs a, needs a definition because you, you go into companies and teams, you can, you can look at someone tracking a simple list of parts and materials. And they're, like you said, managing that project. And then you've got teams that are trying to uh, get the next um, generation automotive vehicle off the line, and they're tracking projects. So I think it's also a, a matter of kind of mindset and, and how you think about what's a project. And that is actually part of the challenge is, you know, the, the lack of the, the vocabulary there. 
Absolutely. And I mean, with things getting more and more complex in supply chains, they're getting more and more complex in project management. So what are the main challenges at the moment when it comes to project management and trying to keep all those very quickly moving parts on track? Yeah, I think the main challenges are are leaders especially, they want the real-time insights. Like, what's the status of this thing right now? Yep. And they also want to be able to drill down well, if something is not on track, why isn't it on track and where is the kind of root cause of that? And so while it's easy to put together a report, they want real time, but then also drill down to the individual data and information and the thing and the reason why it's not on track. And then, of course, to get that, you need integration with all the different systems and tools and a shared space with all of your partners in the business. So your suppliers, your supplier suppliers. And so a lot of the challenges with, with the thing project management is bringing all those pieces together mm-hmm. and also making sure that all of your business partners can collaborate around that information and the same information. So that's, and that's getting, that's one of the reasons why things are getting more complex is because you're involving more people and more companies and the products themselves are more complicated. So you have to figure out that, that, that data reporting and, and collaboration story, if you ever help to um, tackle the, the demands on you know, today's products and services. Yeah, it's like a web of so many people that you're trying to keep track of and trying to figure out what's going on and and what's happening, right? You've got a a variety of different suppliers, tier one, tier two, tier three. Then you've got the vendors that like the logistics vendors that are helping you move the products. Like there's so many different people involved in supply chain. It's like one massive project and then little projects underneath it. And so you mentioned suppliers. What about supplier diversity? Because many of us are strongly encouraging it as a part of both diversity, equity, and inclusion and ESG programs, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't bring even more complexity to, um, it does bring even more complexity to supplier management. So let's talk about that. Sure. And and this is going to be a similar theme to, I think, our, our first conversation where the diversity story has to start with a diversity strategy. Um, and is it, I think I'm, we're seeing a lot of diversity in, um, part of it is sustainable and environmental. Part of it is, um, you know, black owned minority owned businesses. So you really have to start with, well, what does a a diverse supply base look like for us? And then, uh, there's a process of onboard. You have to kind of assess where you are today. So one of those little projects we talked about is, is you really need to make diversity and supply diversity a project, which means we need a way to represent what's our current state from a diversity standpoint? How healthy are we and what are our goals? And then um, work it into your processes. And for a lot of companies, that's changing processes to say, we now need a way to vet our suppliers, qualify them and have an approved supplier list that then we can use for the next RFP. Because mm-hmm. if you just start an RFP tomorrow and you're saying we need diverse suppliers, but we haven't done any of the vetting, well, you're not going to set yourself up for success there. Yeah. So the complexity is really in, you're now, for some companies, it feels like you might be slowing things down, but you kind of have to slow things down a bit to figure out how your processes need to change and then work in the tooling around your existing processes. And for a lot of companies, that just means you have to set up uh, supplier scorecards and have that extra few checkboxes and then make that a part of your process for outlining who's going to 
um, partner with us on new, on new projects. So that's a yeah. few of the things that we're seeing. Well, and I think just vetting suppliers is a project on its own, right? Because yes, you could have a list of approved suppliers, but you also don't want to shut the door to any new ones that you may want to be working with down the road, especially if you're focusing on diversity uh, DEI, right? And the other thing to note is also the the project around how you work with smaller suppliers needs to also be considered within that supplier diversity program because smaller businesses don't have lawyers at hand to go through multitude of pages of contracts. It's just going to cost them a lot of money to do business with you. They also can't afford some of those payment terms. Like I had a big supplier take a year to pay me a whole year. Like that was a lot. There was like at the end of the day, there wasn't, it wasn't really worth doing the work with them because it, it actually charged me more to do business with them. And so when you're thinking about the different projects and you're thinking about the process and how you want to work with those suppliers, there's even smaller projects like that, that you need to take a look at and take on and be like, who do I want to be as a partner to those suppliers? And what do I need to do to make sure everybody wins? What do you think about that? Well, it, it makes me think that if, if I'm thinking about the the additional tooling, there's kind of an internal audit as well as an ex. As, so there's kind of three prongs to the fork. Um, yeah. One is looking at your existing vendor base and figuring out, well, how diverse is, if I want to make my products the way I'm making them today, am I hitting my goals? If the answer is no, and it most likely is because it hasn't been a focus, not anyone's fault, then it's, well, what's the onboarding process um, for bringing on um, new partners? And then it's, well, if we're going to want to work with some of these smaller companies that you bring up, well, how do we potentially need to do business differently to, to make that you know profitable, I guess? It sounds like you, you actually almost didn't even make money working with some of, the, some of these companies <laughs> that took a year to... Uh, and, and that's all part of it. I think a lot of it is looking at, well, we're going to have some projects we need to take on to maybe, um, you know, streamline our own processes so that we can work with a certain kind of, of vendor so that we mm-hmm. can meet our diversity goals. So it, it sounds to me like a lot of it is the, and what we're seeing is a lot of it is a lot of self-reflection as a, as a company. And um, how do we turn what kind of company we want to be and the kind of partner we want to be into? Well, these are the processes we need to work on internally. And then now we're measuring both internal um, progress towards that and those projects. But then external is more of, well, let's take on 10 or 20 new vendors that that help us to get to our goals. So like you said, a lot of stuff to keep track of. And a lot of that stuff (laughs) is going to be very unique to how you do business. And so yeah. you're not necessarily going to find, you know, things out there to, 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 you know, track it and report on it the way you want to. Absolutely. And I mean, there's always room for visibility, right? Because I think what we're talking about too, with all of these different moving parts is the visibility component. And so what do we mean by visibility when it comes to operations and project management? And how can we make that visibility meaningful and actionable? Because just because, you know, someone can see the information doesn't mean they know what that information means and what to do with it, right? Right. So visibility um, always starts with a conversation with, well, first, who are my stakeholders? 
And visibility is, is always different depending on where in an organization you're having that conversation, whether it's a project manager who's more focused on tasks and resources. So for visibility for them is, I need to know how am I going to plan my resources for the next eight weeks? So for me, I want to know, am I in a healthy point or do I need to go recruit someone to work on a certain project? Where if we go up a level to perhaps um, PMO or, or overall operations leadership, it's I want to understand are my projects profitable? What are the margins on those projects? And are there any risks that could push the schedule back or forward? So and visibility, I think, is always a combination of, well, the audience. So who's looking at it? But then it's also real time. Uh, nobody wants old information. And that's another challenge, I think, with, with visibility is people want all those things we just talked about, but they want it. Uh, they want the information uh, fresh, which means there's always a kind of connectivity piece under underneath the, uh, the hood. And that's kind of a hidden um, challenge of visibility. So I think it's in summary, it's kind of the, 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 the intersection of um, role and and the individual and then the, the things that, that matter for them with connecting what they want to see to the mm-hmm. source of that information, um, you know, through a, through a data pipeline. We could probably talk about this uh, all day. The amount of the visibility I've had about visibility and, and everybody's different takes about it and what it means for different parts of the supply chain or different tools and different software. So let's dive into QuickBase's project management software a little more, right? Because what you're doing with that solution can really help bring some of this to life for us. What can it do? How is it helping to address some of the challenges that we've been talking about? Yeah, and thinking about the visibility question, what we really do is to create pockets of visibility so that individuals can take action um, but in context with their role. Because if we think about the grand project of building a product, it's like you said, it's a lot of little uh, projects all across the value chain, all across the supply chain. Yeah. And so you find so much need for highly unique, highly customized processes that the current state is a lot of big systems, a lot of big project management systems, and then a lot of gray areas and silos where you're, you're, you have tier one to tier two, tier to two, three, kind of using email and, and dumping information over the walls and lots of lag between, hey, I need some information and here's, and here's the result. So um, the kind of foundation for what, what we think of as uh, the ideal feature state based off of what we do is building uh, connectivity across the supply chain, So, you, and, but using bespoke applications to do it. And then having all those applications talk to each other. So it's kind of that, that nirvana of you've got one place that kind of maps the end-to-end what's going on across a value chain, but each one of those nodes, is a, it's a project in itself. And that project yeah. in itself can be managed and owned and continuously improved by the teams that work within it. So it's a little abstract, but I think of it, it's, it's connecting the visuals. Um, so the reports you want to see when you want to see them real time on top of information, which is literally the, the project, the tasks, the milestones, the materials, the assets, um, but in a way that it's role-based. So like we said earlier, we want to be able to slice the information up and slice the reports up so that if you go in in a certain role, 
you don't see the information that's not relevant to you. You, if, right. if you have a task due, it gets surfaced to you however many days before it needs to be done. And then if you were to log into that same system, but you're working on a separate project, it's a different set of tasks. It's a different set of reports and it's a different set of visibility because it's based off of what I need. And then behind the scenes, it's the connectivity and the integration. So we're going and pulling from sources of record and bringing it into that one environment and connecting it all together. So I love that. I mean, like true collaboration, right? And for the people to be able to see the information that they need to be able to do their roles rather than trying to scroll through and figuring out what the information is that they need to pull, but it all being right there for them. I think that that's really magic. And that's how we pull everyone together in collaboration, right? And I think you can customize it as well. Why is that so important? How does that help, you know, level up a business's project management success? Well, I think of what happens when you don't customize. When you don't customize, it means you're now conforming to a process that was defined for you with some assumptions. Mm -hmm. So customization to me is always, well, actually, the drop, it's as simple as the dropdowns in these fields don't match my scenario. I have an extra status called supplier on hold waiting for delivery where you right. only give me these three or four lists. And so anytime you are making somebody change how they work to the way the tool works, you, you're now adding an inefficiency or, or, or causing them to slow down somehow. Um, so customization for me is all about trying to get a tool to work exactly the way a process has been refined over time, which is why I often say that Excel and tools like it are some of the best ways to get started because teams can refine their processes to know, well, what exactly is the information we need at a certain stage? And customization allows you to show only that information at that stage and then if we move to the next stage of a project, say, um, you know, with suppliers, there's often an onboarding process. You have, um, you know, a, a, an RFP. Well, that stage will highlight information that's now needed and contextual and hide information that's no longer needed that was maybe needed at an earlier stage. So customization, I think, really, if you take it to the nth degree, it allows you to show exactly to an individual what they need at that point of time in the process. And mm -hmm. as that process moves along its journey, as the product goes from gathering raw materials to final assembly inspection, you show and hide information as you need to. And that's where I think the, the value of customization really shines is you can expose information as it's needed and still put those role-based slices on top of it. So a project manager still at that stage doesn't need to see everything that maybe a technician or a, uh, someone in logistics needs to see, but you want all the information in one place. So it's kind of that tri I don't know if it's a trifecta, but it's, it's that combination of things, which I think is, is why customization is so stressed and so important. Yeah. And I, and I picture a product moving, moving down the supply chain, right? And I think about how many people need to be alerted, right? Because there's inspections, quality inspections, different things like that that need to happen, kind of those milestones that you were talking about. And I almost see it moving down the supply chain with alerts being sent out to yes, all those different exactly. individuals. And so you don't so you know that the system, you can trust in the system that they're sending out the alerts when they need to be alerted. 
right, at the different points in time of what needs to happen. Or those alerts are also going to your other counterparts within the business yes. to say, hey, this alert's gone out. You manage this. You know, this is this is where we're at and this what's ne- this is what needs to happen. So I can totally picture how that can really make it easier for collaboration, communication, and also relying on that piece of technology. So it's not like you have to write down, oh my goodness, I need to follow up in two weeks because I need to make sure quality inspection was done. You can rely on the software to be like, hey, it's time for quality inspection. We've already sent the alert out to the vendor. Yeah. yeah, And, uh, I like the visual you painted because I find a lot of those notifications, the challenge becomes when it needs to go outside of your core organization. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the workflows that I see increasingly are, well, actually to move this through, I need approval from a supplier or I need a certain certification or I need a certain quality check because a lot of times to really handshake and move, uh, especially the more complex, like I think of automotive is always a great example of you, you just can't build a, a car without really close collaboration from your tier one suppliers that are providing engines or, or powertrains. And so it's like it's the same company, but the technology is not in the same company. And that's, the, that's what I always thought the, the revolutionized supply chain looks like is you, you have to treat your supply chain as all part of one company and build tooling as if that were the case, where the current state is really, we are actually operating in siloed companies and we're, we've got these loose um, collaboration couplings in, be- in, in between them. So yeah. communication needs to say is a big, is a big piece. Yeah. And with that outside vendor, like that alert almost isn't enough. You need to like keep, um, keep hitting them with that alert so that they can say, yes, it's been done or here's the report or different things like that. Right. So the communication is going back and forth, back and forth. And I'm sure with customization, you can do all of that. Right. And they, all they have to do is maybe click a button or attach something. And so not only are you making it easier internally, but you're also making it easier externally for your suppliers to do business with you. And so let's talk about strategic decisions, right? So how is this project management software and then the customizations on top of that, helping leadership. So sort of that upstream piece, make better strategic decisions. How does that sort of help level up things to leadership? Yeah. When when we ask leadership about um, visibility, the the timeframe and what they need to make decisions really stretches out, you know, months, months to years. So, um, I think when we spoke with leadership, they're they're trying to cut down time to market, um, get products to market uh, faster, and then um, on a high macro level, things like um, zero waste, zero defects, and um, and sustainable. So I think um, with leadership, they want to really understand what is how healthy is our business along along these these vectors or these pillars and that question how healthy it's easy to represent it as a dashboard i mean but to get to today to get that information you've got second third and fourth level uh business analysts sourcing the information from the business and pulling it together because what what sometimes a leader leaders don't necessarily understand is the work that they put on the business to get insights, right. um, and, and so there's this whole effort of crunching that has to go on, and it falls on the shoulders of of a lot of people within the business 
when they could have truly real-time information about um, you know, project health and project operations, supply chain health and supply chain operations, um, quality, so on and so forth. So I think what we're really seeing is more of a, of a pivot to um, integration and, auto, and automation. And that's how do we take all those little projects that we talked about, there, I think of sub- projects in supply chain, projects in manufacturing, because in manufacturing, it's the tooling and it's connecting as things are going down the line with the machine health, with quality and all that rolling up to a, a, single, a single dashboard. So I think and what we see is a more, a more connected um, ecosystem allows uh, leaders to have better quality data. And then they could determine things like, well, which programs are working well across my operations? And a principle I see a lot in supply chain and manufacturing is this, this notion of re, you know, reading across. Find the, the plants and the sites and the parts of your supply chain that seem to have figured it out. Get and, and constantly take try to take what's working there and replicate it across the business. And so those are the kinds of things I think that we're seeing leaders um, ap- apply from a strategic standpoint. Awesome. I love to hear that because that's that's obviously something that I talk to a lot of leaders in supply chain about. And then one of the other biggest challenges that I talk to leaderships uh, leadership about right now is labor right? Talent. So how is labor allocated during project planning? How do you align certified staff to project tasks? And how, and then can QuickBase's solution help with those wider staffing challenges we're seeing right now in the industry? Yeah, so especially with complex projects, I actually was, I've, I've been surprised to learn how challenging it is to put the right person on the right job because of the variety of certifications out there Right. For the variety of skills needed to do a variety of tasks. So um, one of the things that we see a lot of is just tracking uh, the tens of thousands of employees in the business. What just where are they from integrating with? Where are they from a certification standpoint? What skills do they have? And then a history of all the projects that they've worked on. But also a challenge from a risk standpoint is. I don't want somebody working on a forklift that doesn't have a class three forklift operator certification. Right. And you'll be surprised that, you know, if you're not really tracking that stuff and you're not really getting visibility into it, <clears throat> it's really easy to not intentionally, but to make a, mis- a mistake there. And Absolutely. so we're seeing a lot of um, uh, use cases where you're using something like QuickBase to track that whole skilling certification and keeping wow. compliant process, uh, which is a huge part of operations, um, as well as um, the project management, because you want to marry those two together. Because we see, hey, I've got a project coming up that needs this, 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 and this. Who's available that is certified to work on it? And then it distills your employee list down to maybe the 20 or 30 that are currently free and have the certification. So it's a lot of ch- things that need to come together to make that work well that we're uniquely positioned for because it's it's both um, the comp- complexity of, of the role with the, the planning of the labor. As far yeah. as the actual shortage, <clears throat> um, I think the best, uh, the best stories that I see are more of along the lines of, well, people want to work at companies that um, value innovation and that value investing in technology that bridges and improves communication and not 
you know, working in legacy and silos. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken with that actually quit jobs because their leadership didn't invest in modern technology. Right. A lot of the younger, especially younger, younger generations coming out of school, it's just an expectation. So at the very least as a company, what you could be doing um, to acclaim some of the, the, the pool of talent that's looking is have um, things like diversity as a value, but then also have, um, you know, modern tool stacks and giving to go back to our first conversation, um, tools that empower people to solve, solve their own problems. Yes. So those are the things that I think are, you know, low hanging fruit that you can apply to, um, not, not lose, um, uh, key talent. I love that. Leveling up your technology to attract and retain talent. It's not something that we hear a lot about, but definitely a really, really good suggestion. We talked earlier about uh, supplier management, but what about material management? Because issues around sales, inventory, and production really came into the spotlight, right, during the pandemic. And issues around waste, consumption, and recycling are really growing in importance as we up our sustainability games. So material management is a piece of the puzzle we need to look at pretty closely, right? Oh, yeah. And just like the word project, the word material has a bajillion definitions in a bajillion context. Because when we think of material, we can think of, well, the components, like the nuts and the bolts and the and the individual um, uh, line items uh, in a bill of materials is a, is a material. But then we also see some companies that consider assets and equipment and capital equipment, and it all needs to be tracked. Because believe it or not, a a huge part of cost savings or costs incurred are from not managing your materials on hand Mm. properly. And things like leaving material that you ordered in a shipping container uh, on a parking lot, incurring a fee per day is an example of a common waste, uh, cost waste that I see just because nobody had visibility into the status of that material. So again, visibility, it's funny, it comes back, it's, it's different for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so scrap and tracking scrap is a huge part of, I think, a lot of processes. And, and so a lot of companies struggle to understand, well, well, we obviously don't want scrap, but where are we from a, a scrap standpoint and how can we Im- improve that? So needless to say, um, I think material management comes up in a lot of those little projects and it's just a matter of um, having the, the same kind of conversation that we, we've been having is, well, what, what's our, our strategy? We have to break it up and determine how do we work this yet another cus- very custom piece of our business into our workflow. Right. Mm-hmm. And into into projects and who's going to manage that and what does that look like? What are the milestones to hit on that? So very important for efficiency. So is there kind of like a case study or something that you could sort of paint a picture for us on, you know, challenges that you're seeing, uh, solutions that you're providing, and then kind of the ROI on that that can bring it all together for us? Yeah, we we see a lot of... Um especially the use case you, you just brought up, um, companies in, in construction that are building things that um, found there weren't tools to track things like materials on site, um, assets on site, and then things like depreciation of those assets. Right. Um, so well, we've seen a lot of the top uh, construction companies in the world and construction services companies that are really kind of building um, you know, uh, a lot of the infrastructure 
turn to something like QuickBase to extend their core businesses and create those, those shared environments that we talked about, um, where you're pulling some information from, you know, a, a, uh, a, a core, uh, planning tool, like a CAD tool, then you're pulling information from <clears throat> scheduling tools and bringing them all together into QuickBase and getting visibility into things like scheduling, um, resource management, and uh, project margins. And we're, we're finding that there is an incredible amount of, of um, impact and ROI that, that can be realized from, from, from doing that. And they, they kind of followed our best practices as far as how they did it, which was to really um, map out. I mean, you have to start with a map. You have to start with a strategy um, of you know, it, we're not ever saying get rid of all your tools. It's what are the tools that we've invested in? And like you said, where are the sources that we can rely on? Because if you don't rely on the underlying information, no one's going to rely on anything you build on top of that. And, and, and so pick out the things you want to rely on, then build your connections and build your bridges so that the, the, the bespoke solutions that sit on top of that um, are also trusted. Yeah. And then that, yeah. those systems are shared out to subcontractors. Um, they're shared out to sub, uh, suppliers, and they're able to actually, like, a, you know, it's not just an exchange anymore. They're invited in with a limited role, and I think that's a key piece to to take away. Is you can create um, applications really quickly that then you expose out in a in a, a permission basis, and so you give mm-hmm. some of the ability to come in. <clears throat> check a box, approve something, reject something, whatever it is. And then that will fire off the, the next round of notifications. Yeah. And trust is really kind of that key piece, right? That's kind of the magic number to your ROI is that you can eliminate a whole list of things on your to-do list just by trusting in the software that you're using. And like you said, it's not about replacing it. It's about bringing it all together and creating that trust so that we can make those decisions so that we can know that that notification went out and I don't have to worry about it anymore right? Until it comes back to me with the information that I need. And then it may, it needs to go down the chain um, to the next person, or maybe those alerts are just happening are organically and you can just sort of watch it happen, you know, and that's where we need to come to um, because there's just so many different things that we have to keep on top of and we're human, right? We can't keep on top of everything all the time. And there are going to be gaps. There are going to be mistakes, and some of those can be really, really costly, and that's another focus for the ROI as well. So what's to come then when it comes to operations and project management? Are there any trends to look out for, any new technologies you'll be introducing at QuickBase? One, one of the things we're, we're most excited about is um, you know, that recent investment we talked about in, in uh, a leader in this space. So we're really looking forward to... Um, bridging kind of two ends of the spectrum that I find with incumbent solutions just is really tough to do. It's that visibility, those reporting and those insights and the ability to kind of change what you see, how you see it, depending on who you are, but that ability to drill down to the lowest level of detail that operational leaders typically need. It's that individual piece of work, that task, that milestone, and to put them onto like a Gantt chart. So in one environment, you've got some teams that are going to be able to work on detailed tasks, milestones, and task dependencies and resource management. 
But in that same environment, roll all those insights up to kind of dashboards at the leadership level that are measuring things like profitability, risk, and supplier health. Um, and, and so that in combination with everything we're doing from an integration standpoint, <clears throat> connecting to all the sources of, of, of truth that our customers are in already, mm-hmm. um, I think is what's, what's to be really um, uh, excited about at, at QuickBase. So you really can turn to one tool to solve a lot of, of your operational and project management um, challenges and opportunities and, and solve in a way that works exactly the way you need it to and not sacrifice by not being able to customize. Those are, those are, um, that's what I'm, what I'm excited about. Yeah, quickly and easily, right? So what's your key takeaway from everything we've talked about today? What should we all be thinking about when it comes to operations and project management? Well, uh, the themes that I'm, I'm taking away from this call are visibility is going to be a little bit different for everybody else. Um, and trust of information um, should be driving factors um, when determining kind of a strategy that, sh- that you want to take. And some of the, the principles that we talked about that I think, um, you know, we, we want to consider moving forward is uh, you really have to break down your big supply chain problem or your big construction problem into all the individual pieces and really map out, well, for each of those pieces, uh, who's involved, what's important to them and why. And then your strategy should, you know, and the tools that you think about should be able to connect all those pieces together in a highly customized way. So each piece should should be able to say, here's what I want to see and when I want to see it. Here's my project and how I want to execute it and the stages that I um, drive. And then when I'm done, this next piece along the chain takes over and it does it in a whole different way. So how do you create that that strong chain that rolls everything up to a single dashboard? And then you have a nice system, an ecosystem that's built off of trusted information. Um, so that's, that's a few takeaways, but those are some of the themes that I think really stood out with me um, thinking about the, the last 40 minutes or so. Yeah, and just really going through what that can actually look like and sort of painting that picture. Well, that brings us to the end of another fantastic episode. It's always interesting to talk about operations and project management because some people love it. They love really getting into the details of how things are running. And for others, it just makes them cringe. You know, it's like they just want the high level information so that they can make a decision and move on, right? And so it splits the room. But whether it's your passion or you have a team that manages it for your business, there's no denying the importance of project management. Increased productivity and efficiency, reducing costs, mitigate risk, maximize collaboration, save time. There's really not much that effective operations management can't do. And when you bring in a partner like QuickBase, who can can use the technology to make all of that even easier for you. Well, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? So, of course, this episode brings us to the end of our mini-series. If you want to find out more about QuickBase, you can check them out at quickbase.com. A massive thanks to Peter for joining me today and to the team at QuickBase. It's been a fun mini-series. I mean, we've all enjoyed it so much, had some great feedback from the listeners, and I hope to collaborate with you again very soon. Thanks so much, Peter. Thanks, Sarah. So good to be here.